0: guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top Producing Zone podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Jinn.
1: And I'm your co-host, Shane Carvalho.
0: We got another fun mindset topic for you guys today, and it's about stop being a nice guy.
1: (laughs) I mean, that sounds harsh when you roll it out like that. I mean, can you elaborate?
0: It it is. I mean, so it's interesting. I I, Well, let me say this, because I used to like when I was growing up. Anytime somebody said, "Hey, you're such a nice guy," I used to, I used to take that as a compliment. Nowadays, um, you can use any other adjective to describe me. You can call me a a good guy. You can call me an empathetic guy. You can call me a a giving, caring guy. Just don't fucking call me a nice guy because I absolutely hate it. And what we're gonna get into is. You know, why is it bad to be a nice guy? Well, because being a nice guy means you have freaking weak boundaries, you lack assertiveness, you don't have the right priorities, and you're not willing to set up the right boundaries for yourself. And you ultimately end up hurting not only your personal life, but also your professional life and your business. So that's what we're going to get into today. And as you can tell, I'm pretty fired up about this topic.
1: I, yeah, I was like, holy moly, <laughs> look at the passion. <laughs> well, it's... uh. Yeah, I mean, I guess another part of that is being like a pushover, you know, just a people pleaser, right? Like, I mean, I would say along those lines.
0: That that is that is absolutely the right way to put it. Yeah, the being a being a pushover and a people pleaser. This is why I hate it if I ever hear somebody say, "Oh, you're such a nice guy." Uh, it fucking <laughs> pisses me off these days.
1: <laughs> I know. I don't know if I've seen you more passionate lately. Uh, well, so. I mean, you know, there's, and like, I was thinking about what you said. And so, yeah, growing up, like nice guy used to be like such a compliment, right? It always reminds Mm -hmm. me of like, you know, your grandma's friends or whatever. You're such a nice boy, Shane, you're such a nice, but it's like, it meant like well-mannered or obedient or whatever else. And somehow it's transformed over time. I don't know if it's something that came out. Once social media came to be, or whatever, but uh, yeah, the nice guy thing definitely that meaning definitely shifted.
0: Well, it's it's interesting you say that because it, it gets me thinking. Like, even when grandma used to say you're a nice kid or a nice person, like, what exactly does that mean? It means what? You follow the rules, right? It means probably you're 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 doing what you're told, right? It probably means um, you're not talking back, right? And then granted, like you know, there's, 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 uh, there's healthy ways to do that versus, you know, like acting out as a kid. But then I, I think about that side of, you know, that's, the, I wonder, like, has it really changed? Because when we talk about nice guys, we talk about being a people, like, a, a being a pushover, being a pleaser of people. Like, isn't it just, isn't it, doesn't it boil down to just those same points is you're not, Willing to stand up for yourself. You kind of listen to what people are telling you. What people tell you to do, you go ahead and do. You follow you follow other people's direction. You don't really, you know, talk back to anyone. Isn't I mean at the core of it, isn't that the same thing?
1: You sound like you're being bullied by grandma.
0: Yeah, I, mean, it's, I mean, yeah, to a way. Yeah, maybe you're being bullied by grandma. No,
1: no, I mean, I hear you. I could see how I could see the correlation. But no, I I mean, I've touched on some of these things before in some previous talks and um you know like what i've said before is that you know being nice has bitten me in the ass and uh you know it's this goes back to like putting your filter on other people right yeah. like you know i'm gonna go ahead and not bother to put this in writing because like they're cool like this is all good you know we understand each other and you know whatever oh, I'm just going to give him this and I know he'll just pay me back later. You know, like I've had a couple people that, you know, I lent money to that, you know, figure at some point it would be coming back without anything too formal. And it's like been a while and it's, you know, haven't heard anything about it. And uh, it's just, you know, it's just, just being casual like that. Just being, you know, just because you know how you are, like, you know, you wouldn't not pay somebody back or, you know, you wouldn't, you know, not keep up your end of a bargain. Like for me, like the old school part is like the whole handshake agreement, right? And you can't have handshake agreements with anyone anymore. So I classify not being more professional and being more casual. I classify that being a nice guy versus keeping business and pleasure super separate, right? Even though those people might not not be your friends or whatever, it's still kind of a friendly thing to be like, ah, here, you know, here, buddy, you know, here, here, friend, you know, realistically, If you treat business like business, um, you know, it's not that you're not a nice guy, it's that you're not stupid, you know, you're handling things right. And um, you're not doing either one of you any favors, you know, by not handling those situations the right way.
0: No, I I absolutely agree. And I think like that, I would classify, you know, like not being a nice guy. And that's like being a nice guy in that situation, I should say, really causes you to have unhealthy relationships, whether it's personal or in business, right? And to your point, it's like, we can't put the same lens that we have on other people. And so when you're just that nice guy, not thinking things through, like keep putting emotion into it versus like just treating it kind of as a business, like relationship a business deal and being too nice means, you know, people will, can, and will take advantage of you. And, you know, we both have kind of experienced that, um, in the past. Yeah.
1: Well, it burns those friendships too. Like, I mean, if it was somebody that's a friend and, you know, there was a misunderstanding, you know, instead of being Mr. Nice, yeah, it's my friend or whatever. Had you put that in writing, then you might've saved your friendship because it might've been misconstrued or someone might've forgot or misunderstood. Yep. You know, like, like for me, you know how busy, like I run around all crazy and I talk fast and, you know, sometimes even people on our team, like they'll misunderstand something I said or whatever and do something completely opposite. And then like, it's like, Oh crap. Why'd you do that? No, no. Well, this is what you said. Well, it's, it's my bad because I know I'm in a hurry and I'm trying to just download stuff real quick. Um, You know, that's an exact moment where then I'm bitter or frustrated with them. If I had just like written it out or actually taken a breath, and made them repeat back to me, you know, one of those principles of communication. Yeah. So, okay, Michael, I hear you. So you're saying that this and this and this is this, and this is what we should, and then you'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, right? So repeating what's being told to you, that really slows you down and it creates communication where the other person's hearing you. Whereas being nice, saying things, you know, hundred miles an hour and then cutting out, that can create a problem later. You know,
0: we, so yeah, and I think the other part of it, when it comes to communication, is like if you're a nice guy, like what happens sometimes is you're afraid to ruffle feathers, you're afraid to hurt people's emotions. So then, what happens? You don't, want to, you don't yeah, want to exactly. offend them. You by... don't want to offend them, but want to offend them. So what happens right. is when you try to communicate to them, you end up sugarcoating things, and when you yeah. sugarcoat things, you end up, you know, they have a different different expectation, they hear something different from what you were intending, and then you just cause more problems for everyone down the road, yourself included.
1: I, I've done this with clients. Oh yeah, yeah, it won't be very much. No, yeah, we'll handle. you know, it's like, I mean, not <laughs> now I got it pretty much down, but it's made things awkward with clients, especially if it's clients you just met, you just started working with. If you do that, and especially if they've never sold a house before, you know, it, you know they could be really confused or not understand.
0: Right, because you're not it the right expectations, right? And then yeah. something comes along. It could be their first time buying or selling a house, and it's already an emotional like roller coaster, right? Right. And then like these other surprises start coming along because you know you weren't, you didn't, we didn't effectively communicate something to them upfront and set that expectation. And then what happens? It's like the more surprise and plus an emotional journey already just equals more emotion and more reactions and like problems that you have to then figure out.
1: No, that's, that's all true. That's all true. And, um, you know, yeah, I, there's times like, you know, we, we all have our regrets at moments, right? I mean, I know it all builds character and it builds who you are, but like there's been many moments I've wanted to take back and like, why didn't I just do this? Or why didn't I just do that? You know? So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Definitely um, can relate.
0: Well, let's let's talk about another aspect of, of kind of being the nice guy and why that hurts your business. And I think we you mentioned it at the beginning it, it it's about being a people pleaser and what's associated with being a people pleaser sometimes is you often become a yes man, totally. or a yes woman, or a yes person. Yeah, um, and you know you're constantly finding yourself saying yes, whether it's to a personal request a peer partner request, or even to a client request. And that just gets you into a whole other like mess that you don't need to deal with.
1: Well, and you don't stop and think about it. Yeah. Like I just, oh yeah, sure. And then afterwards I'm like, what did I just commit to? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> yep. You you overcommit and then you have to deliver on it, right? And then what happens is you find you burn yourself out because you're committing to too many things all at once without really thinking well, about
1: it because yeah, I have a high level of integrity, so once I commit, I'm in for the ride, baby
0: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I've had this happen to me like kind of in the in the professional setting where sometimes it's like you wanna you might i wanna make a good impression, and so like you know when I get asked something, and I feel like you know new agents probably fall into this trap too, is like you wanna make a good impression, you wanna make yourself seem like, you know what you're doing or you're you're wanting to help your clients because you want to build out your business. So I think it's a common trap to fall into where, you know, uh, a client asks you something and you just constantly want to just say yes as a way to like, you know, maintain that relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's, and it's a common pitfall and it's something that, you know, definitely new agents should be on the, on the watch out for.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. And, um, I think one thing I do tell new agents, in fact, I just had a call with one of my new agents today and we were talking about, you know, what you deliver in communication to a client, especially when you're newer, you got to be careful what you're delivering. You got to remember to say, you know what, let me check on that and get back to you. Yep, Because it's easy to create these expectations that they really can't deliver on or shouldn't deliver on, you know? And, um, I, you know, I actually, like I said, I mean, I had this same conversation today and, because I've been through it enough, it's like I'm trying to keep them from doing the same thing I did. It's like a lot of people have to learn for themselves, yeah, but if we can give people you know at least some tips or some shortcuts to avoid the situation, you know I do the best that I can
0: well, and you bring up an interesting point too, and that's kind of what I've had to learn also in my journey um is you know like i think it as agents it's very important for us to be assertive it's it's on us we are the we are the experts it's on us to lead our clients versus having our clients lead us and we've talked about that before on other podcasts i think the part i want to clarify is being uh, being in the lead and leading and being assertive doesn't necessarily mean you feel you have to feel like you need to come up with the answer right away To kind of what you were saying earlier, sometimes being assertive and being a leader is admitting like, hey, like, that's a great question. Uh, Let me check on it and let me get back to you, to your point, right? Because otherwise, what happens if you have this mindset of feeling like you always need to have the answer right away, you rush into something like we were talking about earlier, you rush into a decision, you commit yourself to a course of action that, you know, if you're actually thinking, you might be like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. And what happens if you run your mouth? Again, you set a crappy expectation for your client and then you find yourself backtracking and that makes you look more like, an, more so of an idiot than if you just say, hey, let me get back to you.
1: Well, and the thing is, is that there's newer clients that don't really know the process or yeah. the journey and you can get away with that sometimes. But when you're dealing with you know seasoned clients or investors, like, I mean, you're literally gonna burn the relationship like right away. I mean, seasoned people can see right through that. So it's, you want to always be honest. And, and a lot of times they're okay with you having less experience as long as you're achieving the goals that they need. Yep. You know, I mean, sometimes they're even willing to have someone that could be more of their puppet because it gives them more control. And so it's like, you can't always assume that having a little less experience is going to make you less desirable. I mean, some clients feel more comfortable because they feel like you're someone that's not too busy. That's going to give them the attention that they need. And then they also, for some people, some of these investors, they want someone that'll be willing to write like a low ball offer if that's what's needed or whatever, you know, someone that they can control a little more um, to do things their way. So, you know, it's not that I'm saying that you want to be in that situation as that agent,
0: but but
1: I'm just saying that, (laughs) you know, It does, you know, just accept where you are and then just choose if you want to work with those people or not, but understand that some of these clients actually are okay with those situations or even seek those out. Just like some of these first time home buyers are intimidated by someone that's too seasoned. You know, like I've had some clients have had to, you know, pass off to less experienced agents on the team because they were just so um, intimidated. They felt, even though I don't pressure anybody, they felt, like pressured or uncomfortable. And I was like, you know what, let's, let's step back. Let's take a step back and let's reduce the speed a little bit. Let me get you with somebody that you could take your time and, you know, see more stuff and kind of go at a slower pace if that's what you need. Cause you know, for me, when someone wants to buy a place, I don't push them, but I get it done. You want to buy something, let's see what you want and let's, let's roll. So yeah, I think part of that is also adjusting to the audience you know, just they're your audience, right? So adjusting to the audience. um.
0: It it definitely is. And I think for like certain, like, but I I think ultimately at the end of the day, it's still like, you have to be very mindful of your own boundaries and kind of how much you're willing to adjust to, you know, like I had, you know, I had, I had a new, I had a new buyer, like a while back, it was years ago now, but, you know, he was brand new to the game and, you know, like he was trying to buy like a new construction property here in the Bay Area And, you know, for him, like buying, you know, like a million dollar like property was was a big deal. You know, so he was like super stressed about it. And I I understood that. Right. And so I, you know, again, it's like adjusting to your clients. So for me, it was like being a lot more patient, like answering all the questions that he needed to because it was his first time. And I totally understand that having been in his shoes myself. Um, But then ultimately, it kind of got to a point where there was one time, you know, we were talking and I was like, well, let me get back to you. Like, I got to look into this. And he, you know, I I forget what exactly happened, but he ultimately made a statement to me where we're just like, at that point, I was like, okay, we're going to stop this right now. Because what he said to me was like, okay, you're my real estate agent. I expect you to be available 24 seven. And I'm like, uh, no dude, (laughs) that shit's not happening. And, And like, and honestly, in the past, as a people pleaser, like I grew up as a people pleaser, I probably would have been, I probably wouldn't have taught, I probably wouldn't have set that boundary for myself. So but you just it,
1: set a boundary. You're not a nice guy anymore. I'm
0: not a, no, I'm not a nice guy anymore. I'm like, I'm going to treat you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to help you along in this process. Right. But if you're expecting that I'm going to be a avail- bit like, I'm going to wake up. Like, I think he was emotional and he was stressed and I totally get that. But sometimes it's just like, if you make a statement to me, like, "Hey, yeah, I expect you to wake up at like, you know, 12 a.m. If I text you, like like, hell no. Like I have my, I have my other like priorities. I have my other boundaries. Like I am willing to help you, but if you expect that I'm going to be up like at your beck and call, like that's not the way I operate. And so if that's what you expect, then I'm okay. Like, you know, I will introduce you to another agent who you might get along with better.
1: (laughs) You know, well, that just, that just led me into another thought. Um, I've had client codependency. Hmm. Client codependency is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so passionate to do a good job yeah. and please your clients that you become emotionally tied yeah. to how they behave, how they act. Yeah, I'm dealing with that right now with one of the clients I do have currently. And it's frustrating because I'm doing a great job. I'm using my creativity and my experience to put together you know, some amazing solutions to make this all work out. And my client continues to give me a hard time. Like they don't trust me. And um, I was talking to my coach about it the other day. And I was like, Hey, I mean, what's the deal here? My coach is like, look, you have to disconnect and realize that you do your job and you know better than to seek validation or approval, right? Like you're doing a good job. You're the professional, you know, if your client's not going to be able to accept that, you know, as long as they're not being abusive to you, yeah, like just you know, basically just roll with it. Okay, whatever, you know. You're letting them know what you can do. You're doing the best you can. You're doing the absolute best job you can. That's all you can do. Yep. But don't be attached. Yep. To that outcome or that reaction. Yep. You know, and just I guess I just needed a gentle reminder because <laughs> you know I get sucked in. But um, you know, that's part of the nice guy syndrome is getting involved so emotionally because we do so much for our clients. And it's the other thing too, is that like for years I've worked so much. I mean, now I have a lot better balance, but for years I would work day and night. That's all I knew. It was weird to have time off. I didn't want to have days off. I felt uncomfortable. I didn't know what to do with myself. Like it was like, wait, I'm not going to work. How do I just, I didn't know how to relax anymore. Like when the market's been hot, we've been in the heat of the market on a day off. I didn't know how to be. I couldn't wind down hmm. like that's how engaged and involved I've gotten in the business over the years. And obviously now it's a little more tame, but like I said, currently I have one situation like this where it engulfs me and um, it's, it's frustrating, you know, it's, it's frustrating that I let it get to me. Um, and it's frustrating that I even, cause I do want approval. I want good reviews. I want them to be happy. You know the people pleasing part of that like i want them to be happy they're not happy and they should be i understand you know if there's death in the family and such so i understand it's a tough time for them emotionally yeah and maybe maybe i'm the outlet because i'm connected to that you know connected to a property you know so i don't know it's um but it's tough you know because especially when it's someone you've known for a long time you know it's like even though business is business and personal is personal if you feel like you're doing a good job on the business side And, you know, you're getting beat up a little bit. Um, it's hard for me not to take that personal. And so that's where the whole nice guy, um, can be a bit of a problem.
0: Do you feel like you would, do you feel like at this point with that situation, if it got any worse, like, would you, would you walk away?
1: Well, I, we're kind of heading towards closing things out. Okay. If, if I was, you know, on the market with no results and if it got abusive yeah yeah i i drew that line in the sand back in 2014 i believe it was about nine years ago okay drew that line on the sand i walked away from a yeah (laughs) eight figure listing wow walked away walked away quarter million dollar commission It was that day in 2014 that I learned how I could never be bought. Hmm. And that was actually liberating. I just, I went through a run of some very, um, here's the thing. I have wealthy clients that are super cool, chill, love them, totally normal. Then you have the wealthy people that are super snooty. You know, you're supposed to kiss my feet, you know, everything else. Um, I don't do good with that. You know, like I just. People that are so full of themselves, like, I don't, I just don't operate well under those conditions, you know, people that are entitled, you should be thankful, you should be, you should, no, like, no, I shouldn't, like, and if people do, well, there's your sheep, go find them, you know, that's not me, I'm a freaking wolf, I'm a leader, you know, like, that's, I'm not one of the sheep, Yeah, and it's like, I, you know, I don't have a problem with subordinating as you being the client and being in charge, I have no issue working hard for you. I do have issue though in being, you know, demoralized or, or demeaned, or, you know, expected to, I mean, I'm just going to say it. I mean, expected to kiss your ass. Like that's not me. Right. You know, go find someone else. Yeah. And so I learned that I couldn't be bought. That was super powerful yeah. Um, for multiple reasons. Cause One thing I always tell clients that I mentor and coach is that, you know, basically just take care of people and the money's always there. Mm -hmm. Don't focus on the money. Yep. And I'm very big on that. And that was practicing what I preached. I walked away from a quarter million dollar commission. They weren't treating me good, you know, so freaking beat it. I'm done. I lost about $25,000 in marketing and videos and photos and everything else. But oh my gosh, you know. That loss was a win. Yeah, I was free. Yeah, so so yeah. So I know it's a long answer to your question, but would I walk away today? Oh, dude. I mean, if I can walk away from that, I can walk away from anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, it, you it, know, it, in
1: our market, we don't get those kind of listings that often because our real estate isn't quite priced that high. You know, run of the mill stuff for me is like the one to six million dollar range. I mean, that's kind of what we're dealing with in our market. You know, so it's you know, getting into the 10 million plus is just not as common. And I don't want to label that everybody's like that. Cause like I said, I have a lot of other really affluent clients that are super cool, super laid back, totally respect me. We're, we're, we're friends. We have a lot in common. So yeah, can't be bought, man. That's something I
0: learned. No, that's, that's incredibly important. I think a part of it is like, I mean, what I'm what I like the statement I'm hearing in my head to kind of sum this up is like, you can be a professional without being a pushover and the two don't equate, you know, like when it comes to, when it comes to like, how we, how we interact, how we, how we treat our clients, how we like try to do the best for them. Um, and you can be a professional and you can give them, you can service them to the utmost highest quality that we do. And at the same time, You don't have to be a pushover. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Now, if you're watching on YouTube or streaming this on your podcast platform, if you could do us a favor, leave a comment down below and let us know where you're listening or watching the show from today. It greatly helps with the algorithm and helps us get reach out to more people who need or want to hear what we have to say. We greatly appreciate it. And now back to the show.
1: Yeah, my my coach was telling me that... um a lot of these clients don't realize how much we do do for them, you know? And I really hadn't thought about that. Right. Cause in my eyes, I see it, I know it, but part of the reason is because I do this all the time. Yep. And for a lot of them, it's like a, such a rarity to like have a transaction. And um, cause like I said, I mean, a lot of them might be the only time they've done it or they know very little. And so it's like, you got to give them grace from that aspect, you know? But my coach reminded me of that. And I was like, Oh, I guess I didn't even
0: think about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, let's, let's pivot a little bit. Cause we've talked about kind of how being a nice guy and a people pleaser can ultimately hurt your relationships, hurt your business. Um, you talked about kind of going back to 2002, how you were able to finally like, you know, just walk away from a deal. And that's just been a game changer for you. Um, how did you... Like going from, you know, being a people pleaser, going from, um, being kind of codependent on your clients and their emotions. Like what things did you do to ultimately get you to a point where, you know, you were able to walk away from, from that deal? Well,
1: so it was in 2014 Mm -hmm. and this big one I walked away from that triggered me canceling like four or five listings to the point where my broker called me into the office and was like, are you feeling okay? You just canceled. Like. 20 million dollars in listings in the last two weeks yeah and i was like you know what i'm feeling liberated I'm feeling great you know what the breaking point was for me and i still remember exactly what car i was in what the weather was like where i I mean where i was driving Mm -hmm. i remember that voice Mm i had this lady that had a beach house here in la selva second home that she wanted to sell she was retired and lived on you know in a beach house in malibu on the strand you know and i don't know if you're familiar with that but that's you know, Malibu, the Strand. I mean, those are cheapest High house rate. on that strip is probably 10 million. Yeah, yeah. And so, and she did it in the cosmetology industry. Oh, she owned wow. beauty yeah. salons. Okay. Uh, and good for her, more power to her. Like I was happy that she was successful and, and that's great. But the thing is, is you can be super rich or make a ton of money and still respect people and treat people good. So the final breaking point for me was getting cussed out by her. She was in her 70s. She was dropping F-bombs at me. (laughs) I was in Santa Clara. Uh I was in front of a good client's house in Santa Clara. I was in a Mercedes. I had a tall curb. I was so thrown off that I literally ran into the curb and totally trashed the wheel on this car. Because I was so thrown off by the F-bombs. and So I'm like, holy shit. Like... I guess it's like enough is enough. Like you get to a breaking point, you know? Yeah. Yep. Like, like I'm pretty level. I don't snap. But when I was really young, this one guy kept pushing, pushing, pushing for over a year. One day I snapped and I, you know, (laughs) did something very bad when I was younger. But um, nobody died, you know, just for the record. But but I'm just saying like I, I lost it. Like, and so it's like I'm pretty level and pretty patient. But I kind of like I didn't snap at her, snap in a bad way. But it just kind of like I snapped to the point where like it was the final straw. Or I'm like I'm just not gonna deal with this shit anymore. I was fucking tired of it. Like I'm just over it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: it just it was just done. I'm like you know, it's this lady, it's that other couple, it's that other person. You know what the fuck are wrong? You know what's wrong with these people? Right? Sorry, I don't mean to be dropping f bombs, but I'm just saying like it just it irritates me. Because in all these circumstances, I was working hard doing a great job for them. Yeah. That's because like, look, dude, I'll be the first one to say, you know what? I messed up, you know, like, I mean, and if I messed up and they wanted to drop an F-bomb, well, maybe I deserved it. Right. Yeah. But dude, to be disrespected when you're going above and beyond doing a good job. And it was even more demoralizing because I care so much. Like I actually cared. It wasn't just a job. Yeah, because I got over connected, right? Over committed, to like you know, there wasn't a good boundary for me. It's gotten a lot better, but like I said, even right now, I'm dealing with one that I'm kind of writing that line. But um, no, it was at that point that I was like, you know what? Screw this. Nobody can pay me enough to put up with this abuse or put up with this bullshit. Like, no, it's not gonna happen anymore. I started canceling listings, dude. It was so liberating. I mean, I mean, do the math on this, you know. Twenty million dollars in listings, I mean, dude, it's like a half a million dollars in commission.
0: Yeah.
1: So that speaks volumes to how fed up I was. Just done, no, like yeah, just absolutely. done. Yeah, that was nine years ago, and you know, since then, I've held the line pretty good, but there's been a couple times where I was like, eh, I'm not sure, but you know, it's a good amount, you know, because I never focused on the money. Like I said, I just take care of people, and the money's there but there's been a couple of situations where I'm like, eh, you know, we could use a couple more deals right now. And this is, you know, it's in the neighborhood I like to work in. And, you know, cause it's like, there's certain, like we always have like kind of our favorite places, right? Like there's just your, there's certain pockets where you've had a lot of success or really enjoyed, you know, we're like, there's just really cool like neighborhoods and places where, you know, either people are super friendly or you absolutely love the architecture or whatever. Like, I don't know, just, there's just certain places that you really enjoy. Right. And it's like, You know, if it's something that's, like, in part of my, like, geographic farm or whatever, it's, like, I a lot of times was was interested and I was willing to kind of close my eyes just a little bit sometimes just because, like, ah, you know, I'm overreacting, right? Yeah. Dude, no. Like, no. No. Like, uh uh-uh. I did that last year. Twice! (laughs) Yeah. I But then that's what keeps me human, right? Like...
0: Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we, we have, yeah, yeah, we, we all have those moments where sometimes we like pull back a little bit, but you know, I was like, eh, you know, yeah. make an
1: exception, you know, this is gonna be, yeah, dude,
0: like, that's and like, then you get reminded freaking, right away, why,
1: <laughs> dude, that's like going back to like Adam and Eve, put that fucking plum down, brother, you know, like, it just like, that was like, oh my God, like, I, uh oh, the regret, like, Like
0: the regret. I mean, it's, there's something to be, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So your, your kind of experience sounds like it's very much, you know, you, you had finally reached your limit and you know, that's, that's really what drove the change that was needed. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think mine was similar, but a little bit different, right? Like for me, It was, I mean, I, for me, I I learned how to not stop being a nice guy, not in the professional setting, but I learned it through the personal setting. Right. Um, And I think, you know, for me, it was, it was doing like the, the, a lot of the reflection that I've talked about on past episodes following my divorce. But I think one of the big things that happened during that self-reflection time was, and this is something that everyone I think can out there can do is starting to figure out like asking myself the questions of okay what's important to me and where do i you know where is my value how do i you know what is what is the value that i provide and i think a lot of that is like then as i went through that reflection i started to write things down what helped me is what it started to help me see you know what are the things from a value perspective that are really important to me that are kind of non-negotiables like being treated with respect, right? Being treated with dignity. Now, this sounds all basic, but it's important, right? And it's like I realized like that that's that's really important for me. Is like it's okay, like if you're upset, it's okay if you know, like there's emotions going on, there's like a bad experience, or if I screwed up, but there's still a way to communicate that effectively to somebody. And so for right. me, like that that respectful communication is like is is, is key for me. That's something that is a non negotiable. Um, And so I think for me, writing down what's like my intrinsic values and understanding what my intrinsic values are really helped me understand who I am as a person and helped me to establish kind of how I go about setting my boundaries. And it's and it's not easy, right? Like for me, like it sounds silly, but, you know, like but it works is if you have a hard time saying no, start simple like, I'm, I'm serious about this. Like I start with like friends and family that, you know, like you won't piss them off if you tell them no about something.
1: And it's, it how, sounds, how do you know you won't piss them off?
0: Well, I mean, let's like, well, parents. I mean, I, you start with your parents. I think, you know, if like, for me, I started, I chose somebody that I, I, I was like 95% confident, you know, like that was a safe space for me. Right. And that would be like with my parents or with like my best friends, who knows, I could have pissed them off, but you know, like I was relatively confident, you know, there, there's the engineering in me, like, you know, my confidence interval was high. Um, and so it was one of those things where it's literally like start small, like if they make a request and if you find, like, I find myself saying like, eh, I don't know if I really want to do that in the past, I would have said yes. And it's just a matter of taking that first step for me and like forcing myself, See, that's to, like uh, a, that's like uh, a
1: codependency. Yeah. That's like a codependency. It was. Like,
0: it very much was before. And so that's I what I'm saying the, is like, yeah. you may not necessarily, I don't want like, there might be situations kind of like with you where like people reach like just the end and just like, like, fuck it, like, I like drastic change right away. But there's also situations where it's like, you know, my situation where it's like, you know, I had to just slowly work into it. And it's like, okay, when you f- say that first no. Again, it's like building the right, it's like building habits and it's building the momentum that you want.
1: You're building a muscle.
0: You're building a muscle. Say that first no. And then you're like, oh, this is literally the realization I had when I, when like I was going through this was, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Because a lot of times you get into your head, like this is what people pleasers do. You get into your head. It's like, oh, what happens if I say no? Like, oh, they're going to react in this way. and I, I'm going to feel a certain way, X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And so it's like by actually taking action and then you start realizing, hey, it's not bad. So then you train yourself, you train that muscle. And the next time you say no to something else and you you like slowly become more ingrained on, okay, what's what do I find important? And you you start listening to yourself when when your subconscious is kind of telling you, hey, like you may not actually want to do this. And you learn to recognize that and you learn to trust that and you learn to embrace that. And that's kind of was my journey to getting to this point now where it's like, I'm no longer that nice guy.
1: Well, I, I mean, you can see now why I mentioned the whole codependency thing, right? Cause yeah. like, you know, I remember talking to a therapist a few years ago and, you know, it's like I would be invited to go to dinner or go do something or whatever. And, you know, like a lot of times I would just be, Oh yeah, sure. And, I would never think about what I really want to do. Yeah. Like it was just like, Oh yeah, I'll go, you know, but it's like those times when it's like, I was just going and going through the motions, but I really didn't want to go. But I was like, it was weird. I just autopilot, just go. And yeah. then it's like, and then it's like, she's like, Shane, well, why don't you just say you're not up for it or you don't want to go? Why don't you think about yourself? Yeah. Like that's how programmed I was mm-hmm. to just please and go along. hmm I never even gave it any thought. It was so bad that one day she was asking me, she's like, Hey, so what makes you happy? Dude, I went blank. I didn't have an answer. (laughs) I went fucking blank. Yeah. Like, well, what makes you happy? It's like, dude, if I'm not pleasing customers, I'm pleasing someone I was dating or pleasing, you know, a friend or pleasing found like it, You know, this, I mean, this was years ago, of course, you know, yeah. you know, I've obviously come a long way since then, Mm -hmm. but, you know, even then, sometimes now it's, you know, I mean, I'm a hard no, like I set boundaries for sure. Like, I'm not going to cross any boundaries because of being weak minded, not at all. But, but I'm just saying, like, I remember going through that and it, w- it becomes so
0: autopilot. <laughs> it absolutely does. Yeah. And then what happens is you don't, yeah, to your point, like what makes you happy? Blank. So what's going on? You basically become a zombie. You're, totally. You're on autopilot and like you, you kind of are just, you, you're just trudging your way along through life and well, without a when reality. you're not
1: pleasing, when you're not pleasing clients, you're pleasing everybody else yeah. and you're never thinking about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like someone a friend actually, it's probably been I don't know, it was a while back, but I like like lost my shit. A friend of mine was like, you know, you're so selfish sometimes. You just think about yourself or something like that. I was like I lost it. I was like, fuck do you know me? Like when have I been like I always put everybody first to an extreme, you know, like and so just, when I heard that, I was like, you don't freaking know me. Like who says that, you know, um, I, um, or being cocky and fool yourself. I don't hear that too often, but still like, I mean, I've heard even things like that before and I'm just thinking, yeah, like, I don't, I, I just don't, I don't know. I just don't roll like that. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm guilty of, I'm guilty of not giving myself enough grace and guilty of not giving myself enough credit. Um, you know, guilty of just doing too much for others, which I guess is a good kind of circling point to kind of sum up like this whole topic, which, you know, it's, I still care and I still want to be nice and take care of people. I just, I've had to learn how to really pull back and have good boundaries and learn how to disconnect the emotion, especially with the work, like Understand that you know you're doing a good job. You don't need the validation. You want their approval. You want a good review and everything else. But don't sacrifice your dignity, your happiness, your self-respect for that.
0: Yeah. Yep. Know know what's important for you. Um, understand that and stick to that. And it's interesting. Like we'll we'll circle back to kind of how I started off this podcast, um, and we'll kind of summarize what we talked about. Is these days. Just don't say, hey, you're such a nice guy. You can call me everything else. You know, call me like, hey, you, you're very professional. Yeah, hey, you go above I, and beyond. I'm scared now. You know, I'm
1: scared now, Michael.
0: <laughs> well, it, but it's based on everything we talked about. It's just like, don't, right. don't I don't want to hear like, hey, you're such a nice guy because there are other things. Like, I would rather be known for anything else except for being called a nice guy these days, honestly.
1: Yeah, no, I get it. And I get what you're correlation is on that i mean that totally makes sense yeah well i mean obviously we talked about that and you know we just talked about some examples of you know how we've dealt with it with clients and such and um i mean we're you and i are perfect examples of been there done that uh
0: Well, I mean, we, we've gone through it. We've learned. So hopefully like, you know, for those out there listening, if you like find yourself relating to this, like, you know, we don't want you to get to the point where, you know, like you reach your, your end and you like blow up at somebody and like, you know, sometimes that might happen, but we don't want you to get to that point. So, you know, hopefully you find, found some, um, some, some things that you can apply to yourself in, in this podcast and you can kind of see like what happens In terms of you know being a nice guy how that it can impact your business and your and your personal and professional relationships because you would have you have weak boundaries you become a people person you're ineffective in how you communicate and set expectations how all these things can hurt you in the long run um and hopefully you know we've talked a little bit about you know steps you can take to you know help yourself come out of that
1: no that's great michael i appreciate you actually coming up with this topic. It was much needed. Some of these seem to come at the right time. So, right. no, thanks for summing all that up and um, great conversation. And I, uh, I mean, that's a wrap for me.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of the Top Producing Zone podcast, and we'll catch you again soon and next week's episode.